You're listening to the Pastor Motes Podcast. The title of the message is Follow After, Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, that I may know Him. You see, Paul wanted to know the Lord personally. He wanted to know Him intimately and the power of His resurrection. Paul wanted to know Him not only personally, but powerfully, and the fellowship of His sufferings. Paul wanted to know Him passionately, being made conformable unto His death. Lead me to the cross. So if that's you, you say, you know what? That's my heart as well. I, I want to I wanna know the Lord that way. I want to know the Lord in a very close, personal, intimate way. I want to have that sweet communion, that sweet fellowship. I want to know the Lord powerfully. I want to know the Lord passionately. Well, if, if that's you, then we said this morning, follow after by facing your faults. By facing your faults. Paul said this, I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. You see, I want to... I want to do the will of God. That's what he's saying. He has saved me for a purpose. And he has saved me to accomplish a purpose. He has a plan for my life. And Paul says, I want to see that fully, completely fulfilled in my life. I want to apprehend that for which I was apprehended, that for which I was saved. You see, I want to grow in likeness to Him. I want to be like my Lord, and I want to accomplish the mission and the task and reach the goal that He has set before me. That's the idea of this passage. But you see, I'm not there yet. He says, not as though I had attained. He said, I have not arrived. And Paul realized, I am not what I ought to be. And I'll tell you this, every growing Christian realizes that. Every growing Christian has that same realization. I want to know Him this way. I want to be like Him, but I'm not what I ought to be. And none of us has arrived. All of us still have a long way to go and a long way to grow. And so, here's how we run the race. First of all, 
We follow after by facing our faults. Here's a second point, and this is new territory for us. Follow after by forgetting your faults and your failures. Follow after, there's some things we have to face. I'm not what I ought to be, but there's some things that we need to forget. And Paul points that out very clearly in this passage. If we are to run the race victoriously, if we are to get to where we need to be, if we are to reach the goal, then we're going to have to forget our failures and stop looking back over our shoulder because you cannot run the race effectively looking back over your shoulder at your faults and your failures. Now, Yes, we need to come to a point when things are not right. Yes, we need to face those faults. But we need to deal with those biblically. And when we deal with our faults biblically, our God forgives those sins completely and they are placed in the grave of His forgetfulness. And so while we need to face our faults biblically, we need to confess our sin and we need to get forgiveness of that sin. We need to repent of that sin. We need to make sure that we are not shackled and chained to our failures or we'll never be able to run that race in a forward direction. We'll never be able to reach that Go. Let's pray together, and then we'll look at this second point together. Our Father, we are so thankful for the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are so thankful for the all that our precious Savior accomplished on that cross. We are so thankful that He did not stay on the cross, that He was buried, but that He did not stay in the grave. Father, that the Lord Jesus was raised again the third day for our justification and that we have a life, eternal life, everlasting life, spiritual life through His finished work, through His death, burial, and resurrection when we exercise faith in Him and Him alone. How we rejoice in our Lord Jesus. Father, how we thank You for Your love in sending Him. Father, how we thank You for Your mercy and Your grace. We give Thee praise tonight. Father, we sing because there's an empty grave. And we sing because there is a power that saves. We sing because we have victory. We have salvation we have everlasting life. We gather and we sing praises to your name. We gather around your word. Heavenly Father, because we have this desire to grow in likeness of our Savior. We have this desire to be more usable and useful and fruitful in His service. 
Father, we desire that you would work in our hearts tonight. Draw each one of us close to thyself. Draw us close together as a church family. Minister to us. Father, that in turn you might be able to minister through us to touch and affect change and bless others. Bless this time together, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Follow after by forgetting your failures. Now notice what Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says in verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Listen, as I said, you cannot run the race by looking over your shoulder and, and, and focusing on your faults and your failures. What do you do? You take those to the throne of grace. And there you will find forgiveness and there you will find mercy. In fact, one of my favorite verses, Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 13, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Failure need not be final. And when we take those sins and those failures to the throne of grace, there we will find mercy. There we will find forgiveness when we confess that sin and we turn from that sin. And I am so thankful that God forgives our sin and He puts our sin, as it were, in the grave of His forgetfulness. You know, I think Paul, and again, if we read in the context and sort of the preceding verses here, I think that maybe he sometimes uh, he struggled with, with some of the thoughts of the past and, and what took place. But he's telling us how to, to deal with it. He said, I forget those things which are behind. And I call those things the, the ghosts of guilt. And listen, if, if we don't forget those things, those ghosts of guilt will continually haunt us. And I think that's where a lot of people are. And if we live there, ultimately, eventually, those ghosts of guilt will render us useless. They haunt us time and time again. We need to take those ghosts of guilt and we need to put them in the grave of God's forgetfulness. And listen, when we deal with sin biblically, God forgives that sin completely, period. And you and I need to get a hold of that Bible truth. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So let me say again, if you and I deal with our sins biblically, God forgives them completely, period. But so many people 
Don't take God at His word. That's what faith is. Faith is standing on the promises of God. Faith takes God at His word, and they don't receive the grace of God. And so they go on struggling and looking back over their shoulder at their uh, past faults and failures, and, and, and they can't make any forward progress. And that's what Paul is addressing here, forgetting those things which are behind. David, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Selah. That means pause the music, and let's just stop and reflect on that precious truth right there. Isn't that a precious truth? Boy, that's a grand and glorious, that is a wonderful truth. And that's what that means, that Selah. Let's just stop and pause. Just let that sink in and soak in for a little while. You know, there is something that's absolutely imperative. And I've, again, talked to a lot of people over the years, and they struggle with this. And Paul's addressing this matter of, we've got to forget those things that are behind us. But it's this matter of the difference between conviction and condemnation. And we need to get a hold of this. A lot of people struggle with it. The Spirit of God will convict us when we sin. And the Spirit of God will cause us to see that sin for what it is, exceedingly sinful. No excuses, no alibis. We need to get it right. But the Spirit of God will remind us of the truth of God and of the Word of God. You know what? Our God loves us. And if we will bring that sin to the throne of grace, there we will find mercy. There we will find a God who loves us. We will find a high priest who is touched with the feelings of our infirmities, the Lord Jesus Christ. There, if we are willing to bring that sin and confess that sin, we will find sweet forgiveness. You see, that's conviction. You have sinned. God loves you. God stands ready to forgive you. He will restore you. He will use you. You can go on in victory. You can can be fruitful for His cause. That's conviction. That's the message of the Spirit of God applying the truth of God. But then, there's this other thing called condemnation. And that's when Satan whispers in your ear and says, you know what, you're done. 
You're done. That's it. God doesn't love you anymore. You know what? He's sick of you. He's done with you. There's no more chances. You might as well just throw in the towel. The race is done for you. It's over. You're not going to do anything else for the Lord. That's condemnation. That's not conviction by the Holy Spirit. That is condemnation by the old devil. And you and I need to understand and we need to recognize the difference. And I've talked to a lot of people who are struggling because they are listening to the lies of the devil and it is rendering them useless. They are listening to the lies of the devil and they are continually and constantly being haunted by the ghosts of guilt. And again, it leaves us unfruitful in the service of the Lord. Now listen, I've told many people this, and it's a simple statement. But if you don't get over your past, and that's what Paul's talking about here, forgetting those things which are behind. Paul had a past, a past he wasn't proud of. But if you and I don't get over our past, then our past remains our present. And it'll also be our future. And so many people are living there. And it doesn't have to be that way. There is wonderful forgiveness with the Lord. And if you're going to follow after, you're going to have to Deal with things biblically. God forgives completely. And then forget your failures. Forget your failures. Don't fall into the devil's trap. I heard about a man who went to a pastor and he said, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with this thing. I just can't get over it. And the pastor said, well, have you asked the Lord to forgive you? And he said, I've asked Him a thousand times. And he said, and therein lies your problem. You should have asked Him to forgive you one time and then thanked Him 999 times for forgiving you. But we fall into the devil's trap. And we listen to that condemnation. And so many people are living in the past because they have never put their past in the past. And when you don't, your past is your present. And it will be your future. So this is, this is huge. Because Paul's talking about running this race. Follow after by forgetting your failures. You're never going to go forward unless you do it. It was interesting. I was reading, and, and uh, I didn't know this, but uh, one of Thomas Edison's teachers told him that he was a dunce. And 
I don't even like to use this word, but they told him he was stupid. And his mom said, I want to tell you something. He's not stupid. I'll take him. I'll teach him. And she did. And it's common knowledge that he tried thousands of times to perfect the incandescent light. He failed, and he failed, and he failed, but eventually, you know what happened? He got it. He never gave up, and, and, and he refused to be fettered by his failures. And it turned out that he was bright after all. <laughs> Albert Einstein. Albert Einstein. I thought I'd move back over here in case some, somebody threw something. So, <laughs> Albert Einstein failed mathematics. Now, that's crazy, isn't it? But he refused to be fettered by his failures. And I didn't know this either, but Henry Ford was penniless at 40 years old. But he refused to be fettered by his failures. Now, all of, all of these examples are just kind of in the human physical realm. But how much more for those of us who have the grace of God to give us a new start. The grace of God to give us a fresh start. And so what's Paul saying? He said, well, on one hand, here's what you need to do. You need to face your faults. We, we haven't arrived. It's not like we have attained to this, this place of, of perfection. We're, we're just perfectly mature and perfectly Christ-like, but, but we're following after. But on the other hand, we need to forget those failures that we have dealt with biblically. And we need to put them in the grave of God's forgetfulness and never look back. Never look back. Here's that third point that I wanted to share with you. Follow after by focusing your faith. By focusing your faith. Look at verse 12 again. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, perfectly mature, but I follow after. Oh, I want to tell you, I am pursuing with, with great earnestness and great haste and great intensity and great passion. I have given myself to this. I am running after I'm following after if that I may apprehend that for which also I'm apprehended of Christ Jesus that I might be all that He saved me to be. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. I haven't arrived, but this one thing I do. Now listen, this, let's focus our faith. This one thing 
I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul said, you know what? I just distilled it all down. My life. I just boiled it all down. I distilled it all down till I could say this one thing I do. You want to follow after? Then you're going to have to focus your faith. And by the way, again, he's using this illustration of a runner in the Olympic race. And you see it there. He says, I'm, I'm running. I'm, I'm following after. I'm, I'm reaching forth. I'm pressing toward the mark. You see the illustration very clearly and very vividly there. So, that being the case, how do you run a race? Well, you're going to have to have desire. You're going to have to narrow your interests. Focus your faith. This one thing I do. Because a man who is running that type of race, he has, he has no side issues. If, if he does, he'll, he'll lose the race. The Lord Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. If you have two masters, you're going to be a failure, spiritually speaking. James said, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And Paul said this, this one thing I do. Now I want to ask you something. Have you ever come to that place? You say, you know what? This is my resolve. This is, this is my passion. This is my heart. This one thing I do. We, we've distilled it all down. We've distilled our lives down. We've focused it all in and, and we say, this one thing I do. Well, preacher, that seems a little radical, don't you think? Don't you think you're taking it too far? And I'll tell you, if that's you, you will be a failure, spiritually speaking. If, if you think that, because a runner, and, and, and again, Paul is using this illustration, and he's using this illustration such that you and I understand that a runner pours everything into the race. Everything. And if he's not willing to pour everything into the race, He's never going to reach the goal. He's not going to get there. And that's what we're being challenged about here. Follow after by focusing your faith. So you bring your life into focus and you get it all narrowed down. This one thing. Now, yeah, there's a lot of other things going on in life. There's work and there's recreation, and, 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 and there's uh, friends. There's a lot of things going on in life. But here's the thing. All of those things become 
servants to the one thing. And that's what Paul is talking about here. All of those other things, legitimate things, legitimate things, those things become slave and servant to the main thing, to the one thing, to the goal, that I may know Him and that I may be like Him. Everything else, no matter how legitimate, becomes a servant to that one thing. We've got to focus our faith. We've got to distill it all down. Bring it into this one burning focus. This one thing. I do. I was thinking about the power of of water and how you can take water that's in a channel. In fact, I was we came by the Embryville Mill today and I was looking at the channel they used to have there. They channeled the water over to the big wheel at the mill and it turned that wheel and they they had power there. And you take that water in between the banks and you channel it and it can run a mighty power dam. It's amazing the power of it. But if you, if you do away with the banks or you let the water get out of the banks and the water just runs wherever it wants to, there's no power in that. What do you end up with? Well, just a stagnant swamp. But boy, there is power when there is focus. When there is focus. And that's what Paul is saying. Listen, we got all these things. You got to bring it all down your life into this one burning focus where you can say, This one thing I do. That's what he was doing in this passage. That's what he's talking about. It's an interesting passage of scripture. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 12, all things, Paul again was writing, he said, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. That's an interesting passage. I remember studying it years ago and realizing that we get our English word expedition from this word expedient. Now that's interesting, because when you're on an expedition, you're trying to get somewhere. You're you're going somewhere. And what Paul was saying is this, listen, there are some things that that are lawful, they're, they're okay, there's nothing wrong with those things. But if those things do not help me on this expedition that I'm on, if they do not help me get to where I am going, I'm not going to fool with them. There's a lot of things like that. A lot of things like that. There are some things 
that, again, they're not sinful in and of themselves. I'm not going to fool with them because they're not going to help me get to where I'm trying to go. And that's what Paul was talking about. He said, you know what? I'm running a race here. There is a goal out there. I'm reaching forth. I'm pressing toward it. And there are some things, and no, they're not sinful in and of themselves, but I'm on this expedition. Those things are not going to help me get there. They're most likely going to hinder me and hurt me. I'm going to leave them alone. I'm not going to touch them. No, we've got to focus our faith. This one thing and those things that don't help me get there, I don't have time for those things. This is probably a more familiar passage of Scripture to you. And the writer of Hebrews here, he's using the exact same analogy. And here's what he says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Now that which is not expedient. Okay? Same thing. Same idea. That which is not expedient. Maybe nothing wrong with it in and of itself, but I'm on a journey and I'm running a race and that's not going to help me get there. That's going to slow me. It's going to hinder me. It's going to hurt me. I have no time for it. I have no time for it. That's what he's talking about. Every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience, endurance, don't quit, the race, there it is, the race that is set, what does it say? Before us, it's not behind us, don't look back, don't look back. The race that is set before us. You see, I've, Paul says, I've got this compelling, consuming desire to know Him, and I don't want anything to hinder that. I face my faults, yes, I haven't arrived, but I forget my failures. God has forgiven me of those things and I refuse to be haunted and hurt and hampered and hindered by those ghosts of guilt. I'm not going to live there. And now I focus my faith. I have one desire, one aim, one goal, and that is to know Him. How do we run a race? Not only with desire, but with discipline. Look at verse 14. I found this interesting. The whole theme of these messages is follow after. Now look at verse 14. I... Press. Paul says, I press. Did you know that's the exact same Greek word as follow after? Same one. Interesting. I press. I am relentlessly pursuing. I am pursuing with great intensity and fervor and haste and passion. That's the idea. I press. I run after, I press toward the mark, that is the goal. <laughs> Have you ever seen these runners in the Olympic race? Boy, I want to tell you, there's a focus there. There's a focus there because there's a desire there and there's a great discipline there. 
And boy, they are reaching forth. And they are pressing toward the mark, that goal, that finish line. And every part of that person is engaged. It's, it's disciplined, right? I mean, every nerve, every muscle, every carpuscle, I mean, every breath, boy, it's all in there. It's all focused on the goal. Otherwise, you're not going to win. No athlete who has a take-it-or-leave-it attitude is going to win the race. You're not going to win the race. You're not, not, never going to get anywhere. Any athlete who, who just sort of has a, well, whatever, casual, lukewarm attitude about the race, they're, they're not going to run the race. No, look at that word, press. No, I, I, I press. I relentlessly pursue. I've given myself to this. You know, Paul was in prison, as I mentioned this morning when he wrote this. Paul was on up in age when he, when he wrote this. Think about that. And I mentioned this morning just the numberless things, countless things that God had already used him to accomplish. But I thought about Paul at this point in life. His body is breaking down at this, this point. There's been all the shipwrecks, 195 lashes on the back. He's been stoned and left for dead. All, all of the things that he's been through. And his body is, is beaten and uh, it's in bad shape at this point. And you know what he says? He says, you know what? I, I think it's time for me to take it easy. No, he says, I press. I press toward the mark. Now, Paul, don't, don't you think it's time for you to take it easy? Uh, don't you think you've done enough? He says, no, because the goal is out there. It's in front of me. It's not behind me. Uh, and I haven't reached the finish line yet. So he said, you know what I'm doing? I'm still running. I'm still running, and I'm still pressing I'm giving it all I have. I'm still pressing toward the mark because I have a desire. And because I have a desire, boy, there's some discipline here. I'm still pressing. I'm still running. I'm still in this thing. Here's a quote from an Olympic runner. The only way to win a race is to forget all previous victories that would give you false pride and all former failures that would give you false fears. Each race is a new beginning, pressing on to the finish tape is all that is important. 
And Paul said, I press toward the mark. Follow after by focusing your faith. Here's this desire. A man running a race doesn't have side issues. There's this discipline, press, every nerve, every muscle, every breath, relentlessly pursuing the mark, the goal. Here's the last thing, and that's direction. Look at the last part of verse 13. Reaching forth. Now get that picture in your mind. Again, we're, we've, we've forgotten about those things that are behind. That's, that's history. What are we doing? We're reaching forth. That literally means stretching forward. That's what that means. Think about Paul. He was in prison. His body was broken. And he said, I want to tell you, I am, I am reaching forth. I am stretching forward, stretching out toward those things which are before Things that are in front of me. Things that are, are ahead of me. That's what he's talking about. And verse 14, I press toward the mark. I'm still running. I'm still reaching. I'm still serving. I'm still striving. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. And there is nothing, there is no turn back in me. There is no turn back in me. Christ's likeness is my goal. Christ is the standard of my life. I have my eye on the goal. <laughs> I'm not going to look back. And I'm certainly not going to turn back. I've read about at the bottom base of the Alps, evidently there's a, a cemetery there. And there's an Englishman buried in that graveyard who was trying to reach the top of one of the highest of those Alpine mountains. So they put on the, his epitaph there, they put, he died climbing. And I thought, well, that, that sounds like Paul there. <laughs> of course, we know he didn't die. He just departed, but that's another message. But I, I just thought, he died climbing. He died running. Boy, that was, that was Apostle Paul for the cause of Christ and for the glory of God. Face your Thoughts. You're not what you ought to be. I'm not what I ought to be. Forget your failures. God has forgiven those if you have dealt with them biblically. And if you haven't, get it right tonight. And those things will be gone forever. Gone, gone, gone. Yes, my sins are gone. Then focus your faith, desire, discipline, direction where you can say, you know what, this one thing I do, no matter the cost, no matter the sacrifice, this one thing I do, direction. I read the true story of a man in Dallas, Texas, and he had a daughter. He was a very wealthy man. He made tons of money in his business. 
His daughter was a very accomplished pianist. And so he had plans for her. He sort of had it all all, uh, lined up and planned out. And everything was going according to plan until someone invited her to a revival meeting. True story. And she went, and I want to tell you, the Lord touched her heart and she was gloriously saved. And she went back home and she ran to her dad and threw her arms around his neck and he said, Daddy, you, she said, you won't believe what happened to me. I got saved. And he flew into a rage. And he said, I want to tell you something. You're not going to ruin your life with this religion stuff. And certainly not this kind of fanatical religion. And he said, Here, he said you go up your room and by 10 o'clock tomorrow morning, you better come back down here and renounce this faith and this foolishness. Or you will be disinherited and disowned. So she went to her room and she wept and she prayed and she agonized before the Lord. And the account is given that she picked up a hymn book and she began to look through it. She began to think through some of these hymns. The next morning, 9.55, She came down the long winding staircase, came across, and her mom and dad were there. She sat down at the beautiful grand piano. She began to play and sing, Jesus, I my cross have taken, all to leave and follow Thee, destitute, despised, forsaken, Thou from hence my all shall be. Perish every fond ambition, all I've ever sought or hoped or known. Yet how rich is my condition. God and heaven are still my own. And when her daddy heard that, tears were flowing, and he came and he said, Sweetheart, if Jesus means that much to you, I want to know Him. I want to know Him. We've got to focus our faith down to where you and I can say this one thing. I do. And I truly believe when we get there that others are going to believe in the faith that we profess. Do you want to really know Him? Know Him personally. Know Him powerfully. Know Him passionately. Is that the desire of your heart? Boy, it's mine. 
the Lord has used this scripture in my heart. I want to tell you, moved me and, and stirred me. Well, here's how it ended up for Paul. I've fought a good fight. I have finished my course. He finished his course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. He went to glory climbing, didn't he? <laughs> he went to glory running. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that we can study it. I pray you'd use it in our hearts. Draw us close to thyself, O Lord, because it is our desire, it is our passion to be more like the Lord Jesus, to be more useful and usable and fruitful in his service. Lord, would you stir us but we want to move beyond being stirred. We want to be moved, Lord. Have thine own way in our hearts. Thank you. And we'll praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.